Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography and technology. I'm Kirk McElroy. And I'm Jeff Carlson. Today we're going to talk about masks. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been getting these N95 masks, and they're a lot better. But when I exhale, the air comes up into my glasses and fogs up. How do you deal with that? that, That's super annoying. If you put a little bit of medical tape at the very top there, that actually helps. But then you're walking around with medical tape. So it kind of depends on how you're... But you're already walking around with a mask. So do you care if you have medical tape? Totally. That that is absolutely correct. And actually, this is a photo podcast. So I imagine you could probably also use gaffer tape, you know, to yes. to really get that 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 extra little uh, decorative fashion element. I think everybody's going to be wearing them. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting how masking has become such a commonplace thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, of course, this varies depending on where you are. And this is a time when I'm really glad that I live in Seattle, which so far in the areas that I frequent, there's no pushback against masking. People just mask and it's livable. It's, it's usual. It's, it's normalized. That's, that's the thing. It's normalized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, welcome to Photoactive Health. We are here to talk <laughs> about all of your health needs. Well, we're going to talk about masking. Actually, when I put that in our outline, uh, I meant a different kind of masking. There, there's oh. more than one masking. And it's, hang on, it's not Halloween masking. That's, that's already yeah. passed. So It's not theater masking. It's not theater masking. It's not masking tape. Wow, I didn't realize there were so many maskings. Yeah. Uh, we're <laughs> we're going to talk specifically about making masks in your photos. And a lot of this is prompted because the new version of Lightroom came out, uh, I want to say, in October. And they changed the way you can do masking and local adjustments. And it's a pretty big deal. And I know that Capture One also has variations on this. And so we want to talk about why you'd want to mask and how to do it. We'll show a few examples. And Is this going to be one of those episodes where we include photos in the podcast itself? Definitely, definitely. In fact, okay. in fact, we include photos in all of our podcast episodes when we have some something to show. But um, this will definitely be one that you either will want to look at on your phone in your podcast player when you're listening to the episode, or obviously go to photoactive.co where you will see show notes and we'll have images and examples there too. Okay. So where do we start with masking? Oh, where do we start? Because, you know, when we talked about my Leica Q2 monochrome and I had explained that in the past, I was doing most of my editing in Apple Photos, which doesn't have this kind of tool. And I've been using Capture One, which is why you mentioned it. I discovered several different kinds of masking, like radial masks and gradient masks Mm -hmm. and all that. And these are things where you just draw and you pull, and that's really simple. But I think the kind of masking you want to talk about is more like selections, right? Yeah, exactly. So traditionally, with Lightroom especially and and a lot of other applications that are not Photoshop, we're going to set Photoshop off to the side for just a second. If you wanted to change a specific area, you would make something like, a radial mask or a linear gradient. And what that would do is that would say, I want to select just the sky area. And you do that with a linear gradient. And so what you're really doing is you're just drawing over where your sky is, but it's not really specific to the sky. It's just that first, say, top third of your image. And then you 
would make adjustments just to that area. So for example, you'd make it a little bit darker or maybe you'll enhance the contrast, something like that. Or another frequent thing that you could do is, let's say you want to brighten someone's face. You could make a radial mask that just covered their face and it's it's a gradient. And so the middle has most of the effect that you want. So let's say you just push up the exposure, but then the effect is blended out to the side. So it doesn't look like you've just drawn an oval over the person's face. And that's given us the ability to fix specific areas. You want something in the lower left corner that is drawing too much attention. Well, maybe you're just going to make that darker so that the viewer's eye goes toward the middle of the frame, that sort of thing. So that is all sort of local adjustments in a lot of applications like this. Now, there are times when you want something more than that. Let's say you have the gradient for the sky, but you have a mountain range. Well, the gradient is just basically a big, long rectangle that blends into the rest of the image. And if you have a mountain range sticking up in there, you could suddenly have the tops of your mountains would be much darker than the bottom of the mountains. And so then you'd have, uh, say, a brush that you would, could then erase those specific areas. And that's fine and definitely works, but it's not really very precise. And so if you needed something that was precise, then you'd probably have to go into something like Photoshop that has actual selection tools where you can either you know, draw around the area that you want to select and, and exclude, or you have, I don't know, a little magic wand that'll select light colors. But just in what I just said, like the level of difficulty and time and annoyance can really ramp up. Yeah, once you get into Photoshop and you try to select things and you select a bit and you press down, I don't know, the command key to select a bit more, it's really tough. You've got to zoom in. You've got to pick exactly the right pixels. And when you have a color, which is obviously slightly any any sky shot is is a gradient just naturally because of the way the sky is. So you're not going to have a fixed color. And the selection, if it's on the tolerance of a color, you want to make sure you don't have too much tolerance or too little. And basically, it's it's a very tough job. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's great in the sense that if you need that specificity, you need that control, Photoshop is there. And, you know, when you're talking about, say, professional retouchers, they're going to use that all the time because they are being very specific about which areas need to be edited. And maybe you have somebody, their their hair is, you know, blowing in the wind. Well, that's a really difficult thing to capture. So on one hand, we have photographers like ourselves. And we don't necessarily want to go in and do this elaborate retouching. And so the masking tools in software have been mostly okay. So drawing those gradients, uh, maybe using a brush to just paint an area, but it's not really very precise. Or on the other end, you've got Photoshop where you can be as precise as possible and melt your brain. And it's great if you really need that. But in uh, you know, most of the time you don't really need that. So that brings us to the state of things right now. And what Photoshop and Lightroom did, they have improved selection tools, and some of them are AI-based, that 
give you a good middle ground between those two. So you can still make a gradient, you can still make radial selections, you can still paint with a brush, but they they redid the whole system of this and it just gives you more control without having to push all the way to Photoshop. Okay, I just want to mention in passing, Pixelmator Pro released a new update and they have a new magic background eraser mm-hmm. um, or a select subject tool. You can select a subject with just one click. They also have a select and mask tool, easily make advanced selections of challenging image areas, even hair or fur. So it's designed for pets. Yeah, I like the idea of the magic background eraser. I haven't played around with it yet, but... Have we gotten to the point where all of this is going to just be one or two clicks? You know, we've been talking about AI recently. When we look at these photos, we think, this is what I want to select. I want to select the background. And we see the background. We know exactly where it is. And it's the tool that prevents us from selecting it. So have we gotten to the stage where the tool is a lot more efficient at doing what we want? Yes. And actually, I think the way you said that was exactly right. It is more efficient. We're not at the stage where everything will just automatically be chosen for us as we would like. Now, in some cases, it can be very close. And of course, with the major caveat that the image will depend a lot on how this works. There are some things where a subject is very easily identifiable, sometimes it's not. So, you know, your mileage is definitely going to vary. However, when you have a situation where you want just a specific area to be uh, changed, to be lightened, then it's much easier and much faster than, say, going in and trying to paint with a brush, which is not going to give you really precise edges. You said something interesting. When you an area you want to lighten, generally you want to lighten or darken, change the contrast, change the color, saturation, things like that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and so uh, for people who have not done much of this, and actually we we talked about doing these sorts of, of gradient masks in an earlier episode. We'll uh, put a link to the show notes. But that, it was really just an introduction to how these things work. And now we're going to look into how it's, it's a bit more specific. So part of, of the mask is, is making this selection. And then you have a whole range of edits that you can make to it. You don't have every control, but you have all your, your basic lighting controls, your color temperature, uh, saturation, hue, things like that, where you can make those adjustments in that specific area. Now, one other thing I want to point out before we start showing some examples is applications like Lightroom uh, do not have layers. So part of this is when you go into Photoshop or you can do this in, in Pixelmator Pro, and I believe Capture One also has layers, you can you know, specify these areas and then they're on separate layers and you can make all your adjustments there. And again, that sort of add, it ramps up that, that level of complication beyond what a lot of people really want to deal with. And what Lightroom has done, the way they've, they've implemented this is it's sort of like having masking layers, but not full-blown layers. So it, it's definitely more complicated than it was, and there are a couple of, of gotchas, but it's still manageable. And, and again, you're not being asked to suddenly become a Photoshop expert in order to fix an image the way you want it. 
Okay. So where do we start? So I've just shared my screen to you. What we're looking at here is a picture of a girl sitting on a log next to a waterway. There's a ferry behind her and a sky. Uh, Again, make sure you go look at the show notes so you can see what we're working with here. I just want to say right away that this looks like a complicated photo. I'm I'm guessing you want to get rid of the ferry in the background, but you've got the girl sitting on the log and you've got grass in front of her and behind her. This doesn't look like an easy selection. Exactly, which is that's exactly why I chose it, because so a couple of the things that I would want to do to this photo, I I don't want to get rid of the ferry. I actually like the ferry uh, right there. but. I want to adjust the sky. I want to maybe make that a little darker, a little more moody. The problem with that is her head is basically breaking the plane of of where the sky begins and ends. So we obviously do not want the top half of her head to be dark and moody. So that's a problem to solve. And then I think this picture would really benefit from having her be a little bit brighter. So I've already made sort of an auto adjustment here. And it's fine, but this is a portrait of a person and you kind of want her to to come forward a little bit more. So how are we going to do that? So what I'm going to do is open up the masking panel. And I'm working in just the regular Lightroom, not Lightroom Classic. These features are in both Lightrooms and they're also on the mobile versions of Lightroom, but they look slightly different. It's it's basically the same, but just because the interfaces are different. The first thing I just want to point out that this looks like it's designed to work very simply. There's a button that says select subject, another one that says select sky. Then you go down, you got brush, linear gradient, radial gradient, color range, luminance range. So those first two are probably what most people want. Select a subject and select a sky. Yes. And in fact, that's really the big advancement here because if we wanted to use a brush and select her, or if we wanted to do a, a linear gradient to get the sky, we'd still have to go in and do some cleanup work. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to click Select Sky, and the software is going to detect the sky. So this red-pink area, it's, it's picked out the sky. It's not picked out the top of her head. Mm-hmm. So now, if I want, I can just reduce the exposure. I mean, it, course, do this a little bit more dramatically just for, um, to make it really visible. So now the sky is a lot more moody and dark, but it's only selected the sky. It has not affected, there's a, a row of hills behind it. it hasn't affected the, uh, the ferry, nothing like that. And now I want to make an adjustment to her. So I can create a new mask, say select subject. And this is this is where it can be really, really cool because without doing anything, all I did was click that one button and it has picked her out. Now, it's not completely perfect. You can see if I zoom in here, it's picked up some of the log that she's on and... And some of the grass in front of her. Some of the grass in front of her. However, it's picked out pretty well that... You know, her leg is extended diagonally, and so it hasn't tried to, you know, cut off part of her leg. Like, it, it, it sees that this is a person, and it sees because there is a person here, and because the person is prominent in the frame, 
that is most likely the subject. And then, however, below her right foot on the log, it has selected as well it, because it thinks that her leg should be down there. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it's not perfect, but it's much further than if you were to just go in and, and start brushing in manually. And I'm going right. to click in here too and show, like, it's done a really pretty good job of picking her hair. Well, that's the most sensitive spot when you're selecting a person because the hair is never solid. There are always bits of hair coming out all over the place. That's probably where they do the most work in refining this. Exactly. And that's really the thing that's going to save you a whole lot of time. Because if I had gone in there with a brush, I could have definitely painted those areas, but I would have to get super close. I would have to zoom in super close, make my brush really fine to get those edges. Now, um, right now, only the selection is made. I haven't done anything to this. So let's say I want to increase the whites just to bring up the brightness of her. And in fact, just for demonstration purposes, I'm going to really crank the exposure a bit so we can see what's going on. Now, when I zoom in, there's a little bit of a of a halo around the edges of her, but it's not. But you are exaggerating. But I am exaggerating. Exposure. You wouldn't you wouldn't do this much of a correction. That's exactly right. So when I when I turn off that exposure uh, overcompensation, and I just have the whites level that I've increased, and we zoom in, you really can't tell that no. that I've done anything. And that's that's the key. And in fact, with this image, even though it had some spill over onto the log, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Now, if I, I, I if if you don't know about it, you won't see it. Exactly. Now, if I wanted to, I can go in and clean that up. So that area that you mentioned right below her right foot. So that did end up being a little bit brighter because I've I've increased the the lightness, the, the whites value there. So what I can do is I can say uh, subtract from this selection. So to uh, to describe this for people who aren't looking at this, the way the masks panel is set up, you have your mask and then the subject. So that was the thing that I had selected to, to choose the subject. And I can click this subtract button below it. And I'm going to use now a brush to subtract. And so when I click that general area, it kind of puts a little anchor there. And then I can just drag to erase that specific area. Mm. So you're kind of like burning in that area. I'm kind of burning only because this adjustment has been made over the top. And so I'm just saying, okay, I don't need the adjustment to apply to the log. So I'm going to just erase that from the selection. Right. It's not super clear. But if you if you zoom out, you're not going to notice it now. Exactly. You've done. Exactly. You, you've erased enough that it's just not going to stand out. And there are bits of grass that aren't ideally exposed. But now looking at it, it looks fine. And also, you'll notice I'm not doing really super dramatic adjustments here, which is typically the case where you just need to add a little bit of highlight somewhere or de-emphasize another area. Now, I can still also use linear gradients and all of that. So let's say I want to create sure. a new mask, and I'm just going to create a linear gradient here in the bottom left corner because there's like a little bit of the, um, like the, the sidewalk that's, 
that's showing through there. So I could just, you know, bring down the exposure maybe to to draw attention away from that area and more on her. So that's that's pretty powerful. Now, my photographer's eye tells me that something has been done, that the light on her doesn't look normal, but you have exaggerated a little bit. Yes. If you drop the whites just a little bit, it wouldn't look, it wouldn't have that slightly artificial look. There, there you've got it perfect. And now it doesn't look like there's been any trickery involved. Exactly. And also it's worth pointing out that because I'm doing these on masks, A, this is all totally non-destructive. B, I can go back and say, oh, yeah, I really overcooked that section. So I'm going to I'm going to bring the whites back down or maybe, you know, the color is just a little bit off. I can just click the separate masks in the panel and readjust them as I need to. And those those get saved in Lightroom. So you don't have to worry about these adjustments then being burned into the image and actually changing the pixels. Right. Okay, I want to ask you something. So it can detect a subject that's a person. Can it detect a subject that's, say, a building? Uh, yes, that's a very good question. Um, because I see you've got a photo there of what looks like a lighthouse. Yeah. Okay, well, let's try that. If I say select subject, yeah. Yep. Yep. It, uh, not too well. The right side of it looks like it's not selected, but you can tweak that later. Yeah, it it looks like... No, maybe it is... No, I think that, that it... Because there's a person standing there, yeah. it thought maybe that was that was the hard edge. Uh, but okay. that that area is also super easy to then click the the add button and just yeah. paint that in, right? Okay. So in this same photo, you could select the sky, of course, because it's a pretty flat blue sky. This is a really easy sky selection. Super easy sky selection, yeah. And what would you want to do to the sky? Could you apply a gradient to the sky that's going to be just in the selection and then it's not going to go over the building? With this selection made, it, it's it, it's a flat selection. So it's just selected okay. this area. So I could I could change the exposure. I could change the saturation, let's say. Yeah, you can change the blue. Right, right. Because it's a, it's a pale blue sky with no clouds at all. And you can make the blue a little bit bluer to make it look more like a sky and not like a photo of a sky. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, what I can't do is Lightroom doesn't have the ability to then like swap in a new sky. That's, that's a completely different thing. That's something that you could do in Photoshop once you've made the selection. But then we're talking layers. Right. And again, you know, we're ramping up in, in to the complication. Okay. So just going back to the person, you you did take a pretty difficult selection there because of the situation of the person. Yes. I, I would assume that if you're in a more normal portrait, this must be, you know, easy, two clicks and you've adjusted. Yeah, exactly. And what's also nice, and it's not super smooth, but let's say you have, like, you've done a portrait session and you want to apply the same edit to multiple shots where, you know, the person's moved or something like that. You don't have to reselect the subject every time. You can copy and paste your adjustments over a bunch of different photos. And so this would be great if you're doing a wedding. Yes, exactly. Now, the catch is that with every shot, it has to recalculate where the subject is. Yeah. So... You would then have to go in and there's a button that pops up that lets you recalculate that. So you'd have to do that for each image, but you wouldn't have to make the selection and then make the edits. It would just know that these are the edits to make. 
but it's not sure where the subject is in each shot. And so it just has to do that, that processing. Okay. I know you've got a bunch of photos here. Can you show just two more quick ones to show exactly what this can do? And the one that I think you're going to show next, which is at a marina or something, if you can actually select the sky there, I'd be very impressed because there are a lot of bare masts standing up from boats. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to do. So if I click select sky, so we have some sort of uh, heavy lifter thing. We've got a building. We have masts from, from boats. And just clicking select sky once, it's done a good job of not selecting those masts. Now, they're in silhouette, so you can't yeah. really, really tell. But if I were to just increase the exposure to an absurd level, you'll see that the silhouettes are still there. It's not, yeah. it's not graying those out. And on the mask itself, it's, it's a tiny thumbnail, but you can see which areas have been selected. So, you know, in in the absolute basic, I just want to make this sky a little bit more yellow, this type of image, I would probably not do it at all because there would have to be so much manual work that would need to be done to isolate all those little masks. Okay, one more photo. Let's get one of your great landscape nature photos. <laughs> okay, let's do that. The photo I'm looking at right now is a little creek bed. Uh, I've shot it with a, a long shutter speed so that uh, the rapids in the water are nice and smooth. But the problem is the the water's a little bit gray. It didn't get really bright because of the circumstances and it was in shade. And for my purposes, I would really like that water to pop a little bit more. So what I can do is I can create a new mask, but I'm going to create a luminance range mask. And the luminance will only affect the brighter areas. So when I create that, I can then click an area as a sample. And what it's done is it's selected all the luminance, the, the pixels with those with that luminance value or brighter. And you can adjust that in the uh, luminance range window over here that lets you specify you know, how how much to really grab or not. And then when I increase the exposure, for example, all I'm doing is affecting those bright areas. Again, we'll we'll exaggerate for effect. And it hasn't affected the rest of the image. And I haven't had to, again, brush a selection on that water area. So is this luminance range? Is this a new feature in Lightroom? Because Capture One, again, I've only been using Capture One for a few months, but it does have the same feature. Um, I believe that there was a luminance and then it got removed and then it came back. Okay. I'm not sure off the top of my head. But this was not something that was as easy to do in this whole new new system. Okay. Well, this is really fascinating for those in the Adobe industrial complex, as I like to say. Yes. We've had a discussion about the Capture One with, with layers, which is, I, I find, even easier to use because you can just uncheck a layer if you want to see what it looks like without it. You can put 50 layers in and just uncheck and check them until you get what you want. But this seems like it's really easy. The The ability to select skies and, and to select subjects is really quite impressive. Now go back to something like Pixelmator Pro, where you don't really have layers the same way, but you can still do this. I think we're getting close to a new paradigm in photographic processing based around the complication of selection. And this is really interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the whole point of this is there are times when you want to select specific things and 
it's never been very easy. And so this is making it a lot easier. And that's that's really the key without having to go full bore Photoshop where your brain can melt with all the different options. Okay, it's time for our snapshots. What do you have this week? I have, well, I did it. I didn't know if I was going to do it. I went ahead and got the new MacBook Pro. Ooh. Yeah. Did you get 14 or 16 inches? I got 16 inches because that's what I've been used to, and it's good for looking at photos especially. And I decided to go for the M1 Max instead of the M1 Pro, which has more more GPU uh, processors, basically, and uh, 32 gigabytes of RAM. So it, it's not a completely maxed out machine, but um, it's it's a little bit higher than middle of the road. I thought that I would just need the M1 Pro, and after watching too many YouTube videos and looking at reviews and specs, I realized that for the stuff that I'm doing a lot, which is photo processing, some video, that having the extra benefits of the Max would actually be worth it. So all that said, let me tell you what's beautiful about this machine. Uh, the screen is beautiful, but that's that's not the thing that's affected me the most so far. This thing has amazing battery life. And the fans don't kick on. Now, my 2019 MacBook Pro, doing what we're doing here, even just video conferencing or you know running Lightroom, sometimes I'll have Lightroom and Photoshop and InDesign all running at the same time. And it was just a turbine blowing in my office. And this one, I've not heard the fans yet. And... I don't have to recharge it three times a day because the GPU is sucking up so much power. So I was on the fence as to whether I should upgrade, and I am so glad I did. What do you have this week? Well, I mentioned Capture One, and my snapshot is Capture One because they have a new version out about a week ago, Capture One 22. It has two key features that are, well, particularly interesting for me is the HDR feature. When we talked about my Leica Q2 monochrome, the way these files work, you kind of have to underexpose a lot. But there are times when you want to get that 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 higher exposure and you need HDR. And I'm really looking forward to shooting the exposure bracketing with the Leica and using HDR to get the bits where the sky isn't going to be too bright. Um, a couple months ago, I visited a privately owned large stately house nearby. And it was the perfect summer day. It was September. It was just perfect blue sky and sun. But unfortunately, you know how it is when there's too much sun and you're taking photos that it just the contrast is too high. Uh, if I had had this back then, I would have been able to do exposure bracketing and see how it works. The other thing that's really interesting is panorama stitching. Now, I don't know how many um, photo editing apps do multi-row stitching. This isn't just like you move your iPhone uh, horizontally and you get a long shot. Here, let's, let's imagine that you've done 12 photos uh, in three rows of four and you put them together and you get this like 800 gigabyte DNG file at the end. I don't really plan to make too many of those types of photos, but it's kind of interesting to have that possibility. Yes, definitely. I like making panoramas when I'm at a nice big scenic landscape lo location and being able to just have the software do it. You know, in the past, you'd have to do all sorts of manipulating and overlaying and all of that. And uh, to be able to do it in your chosen 
application, all the better. Yeah. It also has an auto-rotate feature, which I don't consider essential. They have a tool where you uh, you click a button and a, you get a line, you drag the line, and that straightens according to the line. I find it relatively easy to use. I guess auto-rotate saves a little bit of time if you want to be perfect. It also does, let's see, wireless tethering for Canon. I don't have a Canon camera, so I don't really need that. <laughs> well, see, now you have to get a Canon. Just no, no, you don't. <laughs> okay, that's enough for now. We're looking forward to another year of taking photos and doing this podcast. Until next time, Jeff. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash photoactivecast. That's photoactivecast in one word. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review in iTunes or in your podcast app.